Tonight is April 13th, 2016. The title of tonight's message is Prize Fighting. Prize Fighting. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Say there when you are there. I know none of you guys ever have to deal with this, but uh, sometimes things can become a little difficult in your life. Sometimes you might have to fight for a few things. We might have to continue to press in to the Lord. And I just felt encouraged this afternoon. Um, I started off my day and and had a meeting with a, a pastor down in League City. So I'm traveling and of course, you know, every wreck known to man happens in front of me and and all those things, and, and really, as I was driving, I started thinking on 1 Corinthians 6, 12, which says this. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight. If you've been around here very long, you know that this is, the words there in the Greek are, agonize the good agony. There's a, there's a pressing, there's a straining that goes forward. Um, I have a friend of mine who called the other day, I believe it was Monday, and uh, he's a friend from Baton Rouge, and he's in the midst of a battle with cancer. He's got some stage four cancer issues, and he is battling with cancer. He called me because he was mad that someone in that area that I happen to know as well, his wife is a school teacher, and the school had treated her very, very poorly. Uh, just ridiculous things other teachers being like children teachers two teachers acting just childish and he was mad and you know what i said i was like hey i'm glad you're mad he's like what i was like i i I'm, i hate the fact that your wife was mistreated uh, that is not what i'm saying i like this version of you the feisty one better than the one that's worried about the cancer Seems harsh. He's dealing with cancer, right? Out of all things to have an excuse to be a little bit down on would be cancer, right? No. He's better served to actually go pick a fight somewhere. He's actually better served to say, you know what? This is what I'm made to do. He's going to overcome one way or another. I'm believing that he's actually going to be healed. That's what I encourage him with every time. Every time that I've ever spoken with him, the Lord has shared verses that talk about his healing, not his destruction. And even if not, you're like Daniel and the three, Hebrew, the, the three Hebrew children right before they get thrown in the fire. Uh, our God can save us, but even if He doesn't, we're not going to bow our knee to you. Amen. And what I heard when He was angry, I heard the life that He's supposed to be living. I heard a, fight, a feistiness in Him that I went, that is what you need. That is where I want you to hang out, my friend. And He went, oh. Again, deal with whatever you need to deal with with your wife and her job and do all that. And but I liked the feistiness. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Have you ever known somebody that you liked them better a little bit feisty than overly serene? The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Fight it. Fight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you agony. But, but the key word that I want to focus in on right now is fight the what? The good fight. Have you also known people who are just feisty just for no reason? It's kind of exhausting, isn't it? Everything you do, there's a contrary statement. Everything you go towards, there's, there's somebody who's working against you. If you call the sky blue, they're going to say, no, it's not. No, no, but it is. No, it's not. I'm not talking about being contrary to other people. What I'm talking about is finding out what the good fight of faith is. There's a good fight that you can fight. There's a right kind of fight that you can get a hold of. When you're at your job, there's a right way to encounter opposition from your bosses. When you're in your own thoughts, there's a right way to deal with the thoughts that seem to try to overtake you. When you're with your husband and wife, there is a right way. Mm. There is a right way to deal with the people around you. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. We're going to learn how to fight a good fight tonight. We're going to learn how to prize fight tonight. Here's a nice little homiletic just to help you. So 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. We're going to go to Ephesians 6.12. And it's going to help you understand what the fight is really about. Ephesians 6.12 says this. Are you there? Yes. Amen. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Everybody say not, not. against flesh and blood. Turn to your spouse. Say, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not. That's not where the issue is. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know what I love about this church is that I am not preaching this message because everything has been smooth. I'm preaching this message because I get to live the message before I get to speak to you about it. Amen. Hey, man, I get to fight. I get to go, Lord, I'm trying to figure out how to do this and fight the good fight. I don't want to waste all of my energy fighting and not realize that I'm really kind of fighting the wrong battle. I'm not fighting against the people that seem to be opposing me. There's something spiritual that's driving things. There's something else that's going on. And when we forget about that, we start fighting the wrong way. We start forgetting what the Lord is doing in our life. We start moving the battleground from where it should be, which starts on our knees, and the truth is it's going to finish on our knees in prayer. We forget that it's not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the authorities. Everybody say authorities. Authorities. There are authorities. There are powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's almost like that our lives are supposed to be doing something more than just what we see. We're trying to get through things. Have you ever been in a season where you're just trying to get through what you got going on this week? You're just trying to make it through the day? I just got to get done with this because I got 47 things. Have you seen my to-do list? It's extensive. I've got to get through my list. No, that's not what you actually have to do. You're distracted by your list. But there's a good fight that you're supposed to be fighting. The list may, they may be, I'm not saying not to accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. But let's put the good fight where it needs to be. Let's not be distracted by these things. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fight the good fight while I'm accomplishing these things. This is not the focus. My checklist, my list on my phone, wherever you keep it, in your head, that is not where the issue is. That's where you get distracted. That's where you get pulled from the truth. That's where you get overloaded. That's where you get worn out. But that is not the fight. It's not. There's a good fight. And it's not against the other people around us. And I say that knowing that there are people who will directly oppose you in every way possible. I'm not negating that. I'm not negating that there are some of you here and you are having extreme difficulty with your bosses at work. You are trying to stand and be righteous and they are nothing but unrighteous. Welcome to the fight. That's what I told my friend with cancer. I said, you know what? At least you're still in the fight, man. You think the devil's worried about you if, if you're going to expire, which is your fear, which is the voice that you hear inside your head, you're going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. My, I'm going to leave my wife all by myself. I'm not going to be able to see my kids graduate or get married. I'm not going to walk my daughters down the aisle. This is what he hears all the time. Does that do him any good? No. <laughs> Pastor Wade, this, this sounds so harsh. I mean, the guy has cancer. With all due respect, the reason he calls me is because he knows that I love him and he knows that I don't care that he has cancer. Not in the way that you might think. I care and I'll pray for him, but I don't, I don't care that that's an excuse for him. Because you know what? He is still required to fight the good fight. There's no scripture in here that says you are required to fight the good fight unless you're really sick. Unless you've had something terrible happen in your past. There is no exception to us fighting the good fight. Amen. There's no exception to the fact that it's not really against the people that we think it's against. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, I believe. First Corinthians 9, 24 says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. There were some um, uh, books written within the last 15 or 20 years, I believe. I, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly when they were. And it talked about, the, I think it was a 10,000-hour rule. 10,000 hours. 
I just thought about this, so I didn't get time to look it up before. And what they did is they studied some of the top professionals in music, in sports, people who have achieved a lot in their respective fields. And what they figured out was that people in these fields had practiced, had performed, had worked on something for 10,000 hours before they got really good at it. There was, some, there was some barrier that they realized. They just studied people like, you guys are professionals, you guys aren't. Is, there, is it just natural? Is it just something that you're born with? Well, maybe so, but there's also this threshold of just putting in the effort enough, just doing enough work that they did it enough, long enough that they became proficient at it. They just didn't stop. And they became excellent. They became world-renowned. They became uh, head and shoulders above the rest of their field. Only one gets the prize, but we are supposed to run in a way that we get the prize. I was in a meeting today and, um, uh, for work, and we were talking. I said, hey, that reminds me of this scripture. Somebody else said something. I was like, yeah, that is exactly right because the word says this. And in the middle of my statement, the people that I work with stopped and they were like, do you have like a photographic memory? And I was like, actually, I'm kind of the slacker compared to the rest of the people at my church. <laughs> It's like, like, seriously, is there like some special thing that you do? And I was like, I stay in the word a lot. Amen. I don't have, it's not because what, what they're looking for is, hey, are you, there's a secret, right? I mean, there's some magic trick so I don't have to spend a lot of time doing this, right? No. It's not because I'm smarter than anyone in that room that I was in. Actually, I, I know that to be the fact. But you know what I do? I just want to spend enough time. I want to run in such a way as to get the prize. So I'm serious enough about it. This church is serious enough about it. If you stay around here long enough, that's kind of the minimum. We expect you to be able to quote scripture to us at least 85% of the time in every comment, in every sentence, in every, in every conversation that we have. We're kind of expected to do that. Is, that is our norm, right? Yes or no? Let's get away from these excuses that we try to do. We try to make excuses that, uh, Pastor Wade, yes, that's true, but you don't know my situation. And I've harped on this a little bit over the last few weeks because if I hear many more excuses, I'm going to probably lovingly punch you in the throat. <laughs> if I, it, just all over. Well, now we would do this, but it's different there in Houston than it is where we are. Wait, What? Well, we would be more successful in our walk with the Lord, but it's just, it, it, you, you, you just don't know. Oh, really? So is the word of God true or is it not true? Because if you look at it and you say that it's true, then it has to impact you just like it impacts us. Amen. It's a standard for you just like it's a standard for me. There is no exception. I'm sorry if you had it tough. Stop making excuses. Run in such a way as to get the prize. This is a silly example, but I just, I just want to share it just to keep things lighthearted. So um, I, I was, this is not a big deal. Nobody, most, I think I even shared this one time. My hands are two different sizes, pretty significantly. Now you're like, show us. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not gonna, okay? So without any tricks, without any playing games, one hand is about a half inch bigger than the other hand. Okay, I'll show it to you after. I'll put it up on your hands and you'll see. And you'll be like, no, he's really true. It's true. You know, you know what this helped me to do, though? When I, I, I went to college and I majored in music, I was a clarinet player, right? Real cool, right? <laughs> clarinet. <laughs> right? So I went to college, and what that did was, for the first part that it, me getting to college, was that it reminded me all the time, like, technically, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Like, it kind of hurts because I have to adjust things differently than everybody else. But, but you know what I learned? I was like, Lord, if this is what you have for me, then I'm just going to run in such a way as to get the prize. And actually, when my arm started hurting every day as I was playing, I just went, huh. Lord, thank you that even though I'm lacking in every way, even though I probably don't have what it takes according to man, you've called me to this and you're equipping me to do it. Every day when it hurt, because after a little while it just hurt. There's no way around it. There was nothing I could do about it. And I went, Lord, I am so honored 
what a small thing, right? It wasn't like it was serious. I mean, I, it was discomfort. I won't even say it was pain. What discomfort do you have in your life that God is trying to use to remind you of his goodness, not of your lack? I got over that. I'm like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this anyway. I had a college professor that used to love, this is fun. He said, one-on-one with a college professor. He's a clarinet player and a piano player at an extraordinary level. I'm a college kid. He's got like a $10,000 instrument. Mine was probably, you know, like $900 worth of a piece of equipment. Completely subpar. He would tell me every week in our one-on-one lessons such encouraging things as, you should quit. (laughs) Why are you studying music, you stupid, stupid boy? You should pick a new major. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I used to call it, I just, I started calling it the beatdown. Like, hey, here, time for my beatdown. I'm going to go in there and nothing I do is going to be right. It's all going to be subpar. And this is exact. So, so what I did was I started, he was like, you need to quit. You need to go find a new major. And one day with all due difference and all due respect, I said, professor, thank you so much. I have no argument against you. You are right. I probably should go find something else to do. But see, here's the problem. Um, I think I was 18. Maybe I, was, maybe I had just turned 19. But here's the problem. God told me to do this. So this is going to become real awkward for us. Because <laughs> I'm not going to go away. You can fail me if you want. You can fail me out of college. You have the power to do that. I can't stop you. I can't even argue with you. You're right. I have no defense. But I'm not going to go away. All I'm going to do is do exactly what God tells me to do. I'm just going to go forward with what he says. He told me to do this. You and I are both kind of stuck in this situation. (laughs) You don't like me. I'm going to stay. Let's figure out how to work this out. That was really a conversation that we had. And he kind of sat there. And then he kicked me out of his office. (laughs) And then the next week, he just stopped opposing me to my face. (laughs) And then he gave me straight B's my whole time in college. I'm like, if you hate me that bad, go ahead and fail me. Like, make me get out of your... Eh, okay, well, so what what I'm going to say to you is, whatever the adversity is, because the adversity wasn't Dr. Cohen. That was not the problem. The problem was that there was a spirit that that was trying to get me to stop that was trying to get me to not do what God had called me to do, that was trying to intimidate me and be a big bully, and I just said, no, no, I don't even need to be worthy. I don't even need to be right. I just need to be obedient. Hmm. So what in your life is God just calling you to be obedient in? We want it to feel good. We want it to feel comfortable. We We want to feel proficient, even if we haven't put in enough time for us to feel proficient yet. We want, we want to be, we want to feel like we're recognized and we're appreciated. Hey, man, you're appreciated. Good, but I'm in a good fight here. I've got something that I've got to accomplish, and all I have to do, all you have to do is be obedient. I know that sounds so trite, and I know we say that a lot here at this church. I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me. I'm trying to get you to think about the very things in your life. What about your job? What about your home? What about your desires? What about where you're going? What about what you're doing? Do you need to just say, it's not about flesh and blood. There's other things at work here. There are other factors at work here. And just because I can't see them, it doesn't mean that they're not there. What in what, how can I run in a better way so that I can get the prize? I want to get the prize. Do you want to get the prize? Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not, like, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. <laughs> um, because I was a school teacher for a long time, I could, and, and I happened to... I was at a private school, so I had to learn how to drive a big school bus. So I would drive the school bus for the band kids that I taught, right? We'd go to a comp- competition or go to a football game. I was the bus driver. So I, I always... I would tell people, you can tell 
I could tell the age group of the kids on the bus by the noise level. Right? If they're really young, it's really high-pitched. In the middle school, it kind of gets real spastic. High school kids kind of chill out a little bit. Right? <laughs> but the idea of... I, you could also tell young kids, too, because they just run everywhere. Right? Do you remember when you were young, just run? Like, I'm going from here to there, I'm going to run there. <laughs> Why are you running? I don't know. Because <laughs> I had to get from here to there, so I'm running. Right? <laughs> Sand hopping around. The idea of running aimlessly at this point in my life, I'm not going to be running anywhere that I don't have to. If you see me running, you should just turn and start running. Because I don't have to be the fastest person in the room, I just have to be faster than you. <laughs> I just have, to, just have to put some distance. I don't want to run aimlessly. If I'm going to run, I want it to have a purpose. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Have you ever seen those guys, they're warming up before a boxing match. Man, they're, they're going at it. It looks so impressive. Like, wow. Punching the speed bag. Yeah. Looks so impressive. But truthfully, they may be a terrible fighter. But they look really good. They look really good at all the stuff that doesn't actually matter. How about we not spend our time trying to look good on stuff that really doesn't matter? I do not fight like a man beating the air. Rather, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Come on now. I don't want anybody in this room to be disqualified. Let's turn to First um, Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Let's start in verse 6. 1 Peter 5, 6. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Everybody say, in due time. time. Quit trying to seek you being lifted up in your own time. Stop it. Whether it's ministry, whether it's promotion, whether it's whatever it may be, you let God lift you up in due time because if you humble yourselves, therefore, under His hand, He can lift you up in due time. Verse 7, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Now, I can honestly just read this one verse and stop. How are you doing? How are you doing? Each one of you. Yes, I'm talking to you. How are you doing at casting all your anxiety on Him? Because He cares for you. If you actually believe that He cared for you, you'd be willing to cast all of your anxiety. When we sang tonight, you're perfect in all of your ways, you're perfect in all of your ways, when we really actually believe that, you know what you do? You submit to all of His ways. If you don't actually think His ways are perfect, (laughs) you won't actually try to submit to His ways. If you're still holding on to your anxiety, you're forgetting that He actually cares for you. What anxieties do you need to get rid of today? What are you worried about? I'm worried about... hmm, Okay. We're going to talk about some ways and some specifics that the Bible gives in ways that we are tested, in ways that we have to fight the good fight. What are we fighting against Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to what? Devour. You know what? One of the words for fight in the Old Testament, it indicates that it's something that's consumed, devoured, warred against. When it says fight, it's actually talking about consuming something. I was like, well, that's an interesting way to put it. It's talking about devour. When you're fighting against something, when you're going to be victorious and overcome, it's actually talking about that you're devouring it. Whatever it was, you have completely conquered it and made it nothing. That's what the enemy wants to do to us, but we're going to fight the good fight, amen? Amen. Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17. 
Let's start in verse 7. If you are with us and if you are able to come on Monday nights, Monday nights are some of the best meetings that we have. Incredible teaching. You should not miss it. You should make arrangements to be there no matter the cost. By the way, this Monday night, we're going to have a worship night over at the P. Rose home. So you are all welcome. We will put a sign on the Stevens door, which is right across the street. It says, go over there. So we're having a worship time. It's going to be incredible. You won't want to miss that either. Piro's mezuzah statement is talking about propelling people into God's presence. The Piro's propel people into God's presence. It's just perfect. Praising. Perfection. Prophesy. It's great. Exodus 17, 7. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, I know that we covered this, but I'm going to remind you of this question here. Is the Lord among us or not? They were quarreling and testing the God, uh, God about this question. Saying. By them saying this, it was part of their quarreling and testing. Is God really among us? What, what did the serpent say to Eve in the garden? Did God really say? Did God really say that? Come on. Come on, buddy. Did God really call you? Yes. Yes, he did. Did God... Come on, Cody. Did God really... This is the question that we constantly have to battle. You know what happens? Because if we don't get this right, you know what we do? We quarrel and we test God. We lose the fight. We start fighting against the one that we're supposed to be running towards. We're supposed to be, we start fighting against God. Have you ever helped out a kid and you're trying to like change a diaper? Have you ever had a little baby and you're trying to change a diaper? What do they do? They're all the, we're like, would you stop? Just be still. I'm trying to change a diaper. You try to help a kid and they get all spastic. I remember one time when Gabe was four. I'm, I'm sorry, it's my son. We were visiting the Stevens in Sugarland, Texas. And we came and Gabe was hanging out with Gabe Stevens and they had bunk beds in their house on, I think it was on Mesquite. And there was a fan, I think. There was a ceiling fan. My son got up on the top of the bed and he thought he'd jump off, but the light was off. So he didn't know that there was a ceiling fan. Caught him right above his eyeball. Popped it right open. <laughs> the truth is, is it wasn't that bad of, a, of an injury, right? Oh, my gosh. Ah! And then he saw the blood and freaked out more. Ah! Right? So we're trying to help him. And he's spazzing and kicking and flailing. And we're trying to put... <laughs> we're like, we can't put a Band-Aid because it's on his eye. Like, how do you Band-Aid an eyeball? Like... And so Jen, being wonderful, she was like, I've got this liquid Band-Aid. We're like, awesome. Well, he's spazzing and freaking out. <laughs> and <laughs> this, this is a true story. Christy's trying to put the liquid Band-Aid just because, I mean, it, it almost needed stitches. We were like, eh, he's fine. <laughs> I'm dad, right? Yeah, he's a boy. He needs a scar, you know. And, and she tries to put it there. <laughs> But the, she gets his eye, the, this other part of the eyelid stuck to where the, to pour the liquid Band-Aid, and then this is like stuck. So he's like, ah! With craziest thing. Now we laugh at it. But it was kind of stressful in the morning. <laughs> like, our kid will never be able to blink again. What have we done? Oh, God. Olivia was tiny. Gabe is spazzing. We're like, at some point, he's just going to collapse from exhaustion because this went on for like 30 minutes. You know. <laughs> he was kicking against us, and all we were trying to do was help him. And actually, his kicking made it worse. He complicated the situation. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, right? How many times do we do that to God? He's trying to heal our wounds. 
He's trying to apply a balm of Gilead, a salve, to heal your woundedness. And we spaz out some. Now, he's better at it than Christy and I were, right? He's not going to glue your eye open or something crazy. But do you understand the, the parallel here? Some of us are kicking against what the Lord's doing because he's actually trying to heal us, but we think he must be trying to harm us. We think that this must not be what's... Did, is God really among us? Is God really doing this or not? And perhaps we should just calm down for a minute and we should pick the right battle because we don't want to go into a place of quarreling and testing. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 95. Keep your place there in Exodus. Turn to Psalm 95. Let's look at verse 8. Psalm 95, 8. It says this, Today, if you, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert. How would you like to be characterized? They were quarreling and testing so much that hundreds of years later, the psalmist is saying here and saying, Hey, by the way, just to remind you, don't harden your hearts like you did before. The quarreling and the testing comes from a place where we harden our hearts and we're not sure that God is actually with us. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And verse... Start in verse 7. Matthew 4, 7. This is the temptation of Jesus. The Holy Spirit led Jesus out in the desert to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to the desert to be tempted by the devil. There's a lot of good information in that. Sometimes the, the Holy Spirit will lead you in a place that feels barren and dry so that you can be tested and have your worth proven. Don't fight against what the Lord is doing. Verse 7 we know that Jesus answered, it is written. But I wanted to show you this in verse 7. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. If I had time, I would take you to 1 John chapter 2, where it talks about the different types of sin, how we love the world, do not love the world, or the things that are in the world. For anybody, if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. And it gives you three types of sin that happens. In the old King James, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In the NIV, it talks about the things that you see, the things that you have, and the, and the, and the pretensions, the, what you want to be. See, have, and be. Right? Think back to Genesis chapter 3. Isn't that exactly what, the, what, the, uh, what Satan tempted Eve with? She saw the fruit, thought it would be good, and thought it would make her wise. Let me encourage you. The reason I said earlier is that there, you are not an exemption to what the Word says because these are the same three things we're going to get tempted in. It's what Jesus was tempted with. It's what you're going to be tempted with. It's what I'm going to be tempted with. We're going to, see, we're going to have a lustful desire. We're going to see something and want it. We're going, to, we're going to want to have something and take it in. We're going to want to be something impressive. You know what Jesus is saying right here? Let's look at verse 6. The enemy is saying, If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. If you're the Son of God, isn't this the same thing they taunt you with on the, on the playground when you're a kid? Oh yeah? Oh yeah? Prove it. If you're really this, well then prove it. I don't believe you. Really? I'm going to fall prey to this? Apparently we do as human beings. Apparently we do. Apparently it matters to some people what kind of car they drive. What they wear. Apparently it matters to people a lot more than we think because this is the same kind of silly stuff that the devil gets a lot of people tripped up on. Jesus' answer is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't be like they were at Meribah and Massa. Don't be like that. Turn to James chapter 4 since we're here in the New Testament. James chapter 4. There's testing and there's quarreling. You know what you're going to have to battle against? You're going to have to battle against testing. You're going to have to battle and fight a good fight. You're going to have to agonize the good agony. You're going to have to pick the right kind of fight. 
Sometimes we need to pick a fight. <laughs> I, I, I told this, I, this is a, ch- and I'm just, I guess I'm sharing a lot of Sutherland stories tonight, right? When Olivia was eight or nine-ish, we were having a discussion in our kitchen in Austin, Texas. And she was telling me about a situation, and I said, okay, I've got it. I've got it. Are you listening to me? I'm ready to give you an answer. She said, oh, yes, sir. Sweet. She's always been such a sweet little thing. Yes, yes, Daddy, I'm listening. Okay, when this happens again, I want you to go up to the girl and do this. Punch her in her face. (laughs) I did. I told her that. I'm such a bad dad, right? (laughs) I was like, she's like, (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not kidding. I want you, Olivia Joy Sutherland, that when this person says this again, I want you to make a fist. I was trying to teach my daughter not to be violent because I knew that she actually wouldn't do that. What I was trying to do is sometimes you need to pick a fight. Sometimes you need to engage into something and not always retreat. What I didn't want my daughter to learn was that she is not worth fighting for and that she should always retreat. You cannot retreat in the kingdom. There are times when we will acquiesce and we will personally cause hurt to come to us for someone else's sake. I'll get slapped in the face and you know what I'll do? I'll turn the other cheek. This is not about an aggression in the natural realm. It's about an intensity in the spirit realm that says, I'm not going to back down from that. Mr. Professor, you are many years my senior and so much better than me, I can't even quantify it. And I'm not going to back away because this is what God said to me. I was trying to teach an eight-year-old to say, you stand up for what God has called you to be. You stand up. You're worth something. God has called you. And in that moment, after I said this, and, and the Lord let me hear what my daughter, the lies that my daughter was hearing. I heard it audibly inside my own ears that she's not worthy. And I went, oh, I just wept. You're worthy. You're worthy. It sounded like it was an aggression thing, but what it got to was a worth. It sounded like we were talking about flesh and blood, but that's not really what I was trying to get to. I was trying to get to other things and spiritual things that were going on that were lying to her at eight. Who does that? What kind of enemy do we have that has been working on you since you've been eight or four or the things that you think are just your own thoughts been planted there by the enemy for a long, long time. You're worth it. You're worth fighting for. You're worth fighting for it. You fighting for it. You're worth it. I want to move on and I don't. You're worth it. Don't let the enemy lie to you anymore. Stop it. The enemy's good at it because he starts making it think that it's your voice. And somehow, I've never had it happen before and I've never had it happen since, but I heard what my daughter was thinking. I didn't perceive, I didn't think, I didn't observe. I heard what she was thinking. I don't even know if that's possible, but it it is because I heard it. So what are you thinking? Has the enemy been lying to you and said, is the Lord really among us or not? And, he, and you've heard it enough that you've just taken it in. You go, yeah. Like a, like a hypnotist. <laughs> I will not remember that. Is the Lord really among us? Someone else put the thought has been there, but you've taken it and now it's yours. Now you have to wrestle with this. Did God really call me? Can I really fight the good fight here? Because there's this other thing that's going on and I always seem to be at war. There's something that's warring on the inside of me to, to, to be victorious. James chapter um, 4, verse 1. <clears throat> what causes fights and quarrels among you? That's a good question. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Either within yourself or amongst other people. 
Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. How do you do when someone disagrees with you? How do you do when someone says something and you just don't agree, but there's really no recourse and you're going to have to just go with what they say? Hey, wives, how do you do when your husband disagrees with you but goes ahead and makes the decision? How do you do on that? Hey, husbands, how do you do when a boss says something to you that you really just don't like? You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. I was talking to Pastor Eric the other day, and, and I think Judah was there too. We were talking about a lesson that you have to learn to be in leadership is you have to learn that the anointing flows down. We call that shalom, and I'll get to that more in just a second. You have to have an authority and understand that every authority that's placed in your life is actually there by God. I'm not saying that the person worships God. I'm not saying that the person is godly. But I'm saying their position of authority is ordained by God for your good. And your good may be that it really works on you to, to eliminate some of the sinful nature in you. Amen. That may be the godly position. But how we treat authority in our life speaks of how we really think about God at every level, every time. But you don't understand. Don't tell me about your exception. How I treat authority shows what I really think about God. I really, it really shows where I think God is amongst us or not. It actually shows that. So how do we do? We kill and we covet, we quarrel and we fight. You know, the truth is, is we don't have because we don't ask God for it. What I learned at, at other places was that there would be authorities over me. And the truth is, is I was right about what I saw. If they would just do this, it'd be so much better. Like, are they, how can you keep doing it this way? This is so inefficient. This is so backwards. This is so wrong. And you know what God told me? Be quiet. You have not because you ask not. So you know what I learned to do? Lord, I see this and I think that I'm looking at it accurately. But there's an authority over me. So I need you to either fix this, Lord, or I need you to give, I need to be invited to talk to my authority and tell them what I honestly think. I need an invitation. I need permission from this authority to be able to go ahead and correct it. You know what would happen without fail? Either they would come and go, you know, I've been thinking, we ought to do this. And I was like, yeah, we all know that, dude. (laughs) We've all been seeing that for months now. But God would fix the problem. And you know what it did in me? It encouraged me because I went, oh, I asked for it and I got it because the Lord is good. Or the person would go, hey, Wade, what do you think about this? Funny you should ask. I was ready to give an answer, but you know what I had to learn? I'm not going to quarrel and fight over it. I'm not going to tussle with someone who has authority in my life. I'm going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to agonize over the right agony. I'm going to fight a good fight. Because I can actually get disqualified if I don't fight a good fight. Let's not disqualify ourselves with how we treat our spouses. Let's not disqualify ourselves with how we treat each other. Let's not disqualify ourselves with how we treat the authority in our life. Let's not, tra- uh, let's not fault because we don't treat our kids right. There's a good fight. There's a good way to do this. And God, in His Word, gives us the exact way. Y'all got real quiet. Maybe I didn't say something right. All right. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Uh Uh-oh. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Uh, By the way, when you get in a really tough time, don't run away from the Lord. You know what I want to do when I get tired, when my list has been too excessive for too long? You know what I want to do? I want to go home. I just want to go and lay on the couch and watch Netflix. I want to scroll like mindlessly through Facebook. Maybe not you. I'm just saying me. I'm saying this is what I want to do. I want to just veg out. I want to go watch, if I could go to the movie theater and watch like four movies in a row, oh my gosh, that'd be great. Just, I want, I know some of y'all are like, ugh. I'm like, I'm just telling you for me. I want to veg out. I don't even want to think. I don't want to make decisions. I just want to, well, what do you really want to do? 
is that going to fix anything? Is that fighting a good fight? Or is it just going, I, <laughs> I call it this for me. I want to flesh out. I don't know why I've called it that all my life, but I did. And it's true. <laughs> I don't want to have anything really even spiritual or academic or intelligent going on. I just want to, f- I want to flesh out. Wait a minute. Do you want to flesh out when the pressure gets on? When you're struggling and really grinding and really working hard, and what do you do? You want to go and run back to former sin? Wait a minute. Is the Lord amongst us or not? When you're when you're really working hard and it, things are hard, and it's just instead of staying in there, do you want to just run away? Do you want to run to something? Do you want to go find comfort somewhere else? Do you want to find something that you can control? Do you want to have, and you ask because you have wrong motives, because you want to spend what you get on your pleasure? That'll make you feel better? Really, that'll make you feel better. It's never made me feel better. I think it will, but that's the lie of sin, is that you think it'll help you, and it never does. It entangles you, and it makes it harder, because your problem that you should have been fighting didn't go away. You just lost ground on it. Now you have to fight more. <laughs> I used to hate taking vacation days when I was a school teacher. It was harder to get ready to leave and to go away and then to come back and make up for all the stuff that I didn't do than it was to just stay there and teach. I don't think I missed a day in about 10 years of teaching. Only time I missed was when we got married. I had a, our honeymoon and our kids being born. That's the only days that I missed of school. Because it was just too much work. I was like, this is crazy. Don't run away when you should press in and fight the good fight. Maybe you've been fighting poorly and you spent energy in places that you didn't need to spend it. And now you're just tired. And it really takes perseverance to stay in there and fight the good fight. Stay in there and fight the good fight. Agonize the good agony. Don't pull away and run to sinfulness, to run to the past, to run to pleasure, because it's not actually going to help you. And you know what it does? It actually makes a lot of people fall out of the fight. You know what? This is easier. If I stay over here, I'm not getting anywhere, but it's sure easier than fighting the fight. Yeah, you think that for now, but what happens? I'm going to go in this fight and I'm going to win the fight. You know what happens after I win this fight? I'm better. Things progress, God moves. His favor falls. You know what happens when I stay over here and I just spend time or emotion or energy on just what I want? You know what happens? I lose ground and it starts becoming comfortable enough. That's a lot of work over there. I think I'm just going to stay and sit here a little bit longer. Do you think our friends in Sri Lanka get a lot of time to just sit around? If you think, you, you guys have been here long enough and you've been on enough mission trips with us, it's not vacation, friends. You're pushing back darkness at every turn. There is not a day off that they ever get. And it's worth it because our king is great. Amen. It's worth you being in a good fight and staying in the fight. Let's do one more passage here. Well, maybe more than one. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Is this making sense to you? I have to be honest with you because we are family. I don't know that I feel like this is very... I don't know that this is the most skillful message that I've ever done, but I feel like it's right for us. I'm I'm just trying to be... I'm just trying to tell you what God has been showing me and I feel in my spirit that it's right for more people in the room than it's not. This could be a liberating kind of evening for you if you'll let it. If you will stay in this fight with me. If you will stay in this thing. There can be some liberation. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verse 5. Because if you stay in this fight, something like this can happen to you. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded. This is, we saw in Exodus 17, I didn't even hardly get to it, but fighting the Amalekites. It's the first instance of Joshua showing up in the Bible. 
If you were here on Monday, on any of the Monday nights that Pastor Eric has been teaching, incredible teaching on fighting the Amalekites, fighting that sinful nature, fighting that desire to test and quarrel with God. We looked at the Paleo-Hebrew for quarreling. It's quarreling indicates that there's chaos beginning to work in our home and against our revelation. That was what we learned that quarreling meant. Chaos beginning to work against our home and our revelation. Is that not a great explanation of what quarreling is? Huh. Deuteronomy 31.5, The Lord will deliver them to you and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. We see the first instance of Joshua in Exodus 17. This is when Joshua and Moses are transitioning leadership. Be strong and courageous. Rock Kazak is the Hebrew. Do not be afraid or terrified of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all of Israel. Don't you love it when someone says something to you in front of other people? What does that do? That adds an extra pressure. You know why? Because everybody heard the same thing. Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. Come on. The Lord Himself will go before you to do what? To prepare a way because He knows what's ahead of you. He's going to go before you, but He's not just going to go before you and you're like, well, I guess I've got to walk this out all by myself now. Because He's God, He's going to go before you and be with you. Go before you and be with you. Both. He's going to prepare the way and walk you in that way if you'll let Him. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It says this again, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So we learned in Exodus 17 that testing and quarreling are part of a good fight that we have to fight. We can't be quarrelsome. We can't be complainers. We can't be mumblers. We can't allow chaos to start at work in our home or in the revelation that God has given us. Here we learn that fear and discouragement are two other battles that we must fight. If I could narrow it down and be overly simplified for just a minute. Most of what we do as pastors is this. Here's here's a secret. We hear people talk and we say, Hey, we love you. That's completely based in fear. You can't do that. The Bible says this, but your fear is speaking to you and you can't do that. You must do this. I can insert that and cover... 97% of what we do as pastors. Quit operating in fear because it's lying to you. Operate in faith, fight the good fight, and do what the Lord tells you to do. But, but, uh, uh, okay, maybe you didn't hear me. Don't be afraid. Do what the Lord said. Ready? Go. (laughs) Why am I telling you this? Because we want a group of, of, of... Uh, a body of believers here, we want you to be able to counsel yourself. Stop for a second. Fight this good fight and go, hey, this is probably fear-based. Fear may sound logical, but it's really not logical at all. It's sinful. But only if you understood. Perhaps, wait, if you understood what was going on. No, I don't need... I actually do understand. The problem is, is I understand, and you may not. Because God's Word is clear. I understand what I need to understand. I'm not confused by the details because this is fear, this is truth. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. I could spend a lot of time talking on fear, but the truth is, is I think we all kind of understand. Don't give in to it. The problem is, most of the time, we don't actually recognize that it is fear. That's the problem. We think it's logic. We think we're trying to help somebody. We think, if only they understood us. We think, whatever we think, if you are pretty sure that you can assign someone's motives to them before you ever ask them, 
They meant to say that. They meant to hurt me. You're right, it is possible. But how about we not indict everybody before we even know? Perhaps it's your fears. So what if they did mean to hurt you? You're in a fight. If you're going to fight the good fight, hey, we're going to presume that God is at work here, and even if they meant it for my harm, I can go to Genesis 50 and say that God will use this for my good. I don't need for them to like me. I don't need for them to be working in my behalf, because my God will. You know why? Because He's going to go before me, and He's going to be with me. First John chapter 4, verse 18. Can we read the first sentence that's on the screen together? If, even if you have a different translation, would everybody look at the screen for just a second? Okay, on the count of three, we're all going to read it together. Ready? One, two, three. There is no fear in love. Stop. Would you do me a favor and read that again together? Okay? There is no fear in love. Is the Word of God true or not? I mean, really, is it true? Are you just saying that because you're in church? Because if it's true and you're walking in fear, what are we saying? Oh, we're not walking in His love. But perfect love, what does it do? It drives out fear. You know why you have to drive out fear? Because they don't want to go. You've got to go pick a fight with fear. Go pick a fight with fear. The things that you're afraid to do, go do them. The things that God has told you and you're shaking in your boots about doing, go immediately and do it. When he tells you to, you go forward. But, it, but I, I might get embarrassed. Yes, you might. Go forward. Drive out the fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God didn't give you the fear. He's telling you how to drive it out. There is no fear in love. If we actually think that he's gone before us, then he'll be with us. If we actually trust his word, if we actually think it's true, you know what we do? We don't give in to fear. I'm not saying you don't feel fear. Because that may happen. But I, you don't ever, 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 ever give in to fear. And if you've got people around you who love you, they should be telling you, hey, sweetie, dear sir, friend, husband, wife, kids, you're giving in to fear right now. Ah! I don't want you to be captive to fear. I know that it causes insecurities in you. I get that. It may want you to think I'm trying to accuse you. All I'm saying is, I think that you're operating in fear. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if I'm operating in fear, I cannot be doing something that pleases God, ever. Even if what I'm doing and what I'm putting my hand to is right, it's wrong because my heart is doing it out of fear. I cannot, either the Bible is true or it's not. Is if the Bible says in Hebrews that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. Not unlikely. Not highly difficult. It is impossible to please God. So if we are operating in fear, if the basis of our decisions is fear, you know what happens? We can't please God. And if in that you heard, huh, I can't do it, then that's not right either. That's fear. Fear just talked to you while I was talking to you about fear. How can I overcome fear? Just stop. That's more fear. Here's how you battle this. Lord, I'm afraid that I won't be able to do this right. But your word says there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. So I guess, Lord, even though I don't understand it, I guess I'm afraid that you're going to punish me or the world's going to punish me or my circumstances are going to punish me or something's going to punish me because I won't be able to do what I think that I should do. So I'm afraid. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Lord, I'm not going to stand here condemned. I just need you to help me to overcome my fear. Lord, I need your love to wash over me. I need your perfect love to drive out the fear because fear, you do not give it to me. You give me power to overcome it. Love because it drives it out and a sound mind so I don't keep hearing it in my own head. That was, that was much better than the way you responded. It's okay. You're thinking. It's all right. The reason that our church has people walking around with index cards full of Scripture, you know why? Because the Word and His Spirit 
will transform you. We don't need behavioral modification. Many churches in America are teaching a behavioral modification. Do this. Talk this way. Look this way. Act this way. We're saying change who you are. I don't know how. We don't either. Except that we let the Word of God transform. We become new creatures in Him. Some of you guys are new creatures and you keep running away when you get in a fight and you get tired. I understand getting weary. I, I really do. This is not an easy thing the way we do it. The real kingdom is not an easy thing. It's not a vacation. You don't put, you don't put life on cruise control. We're actually saying it's quite the opposite. You're trudging through the mud. You're fighting the enemy. Even when you win, sometimes you feel like you lost. There's no fear in love. Because the Bible says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. You know what the word discouragement there indicates? It's being shattered. One of the other words that when you look it up in the original language, it's talking about shattered or the way dry ground cracks. Don't be afraid and don't let life shatter you. Shattered dreams, shattered expectations. Because you get so dry, because you're pulling away instead of going towards God. There are natural things to pull away when you get hurt. It's, it's natural. It's a reflexive thing to get us away from pain. But you know what the Word tells us? We're going to press in and we're going to go towards the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to learn how to fight. And Lord, I may get beat. There was a comic book that really blessed my heart. <laughs> it blessed that little heart. Because in the comic book, the hero just fought and fought and fought and fought and fought until he died. Silly, right? It's amazing what God can use to encourage our hearts, though. It was in a time where I needed to just go, keep going, and if it kills you, it's fine. I'm just going to keep fighting. It's easy for me to fight for my family because I love them so much. It is becoming so easy for me to fight for you because I just love you so much. You know what sometimes I have the hardest time doing? is fighting to keep me doing exactly what God said because I love you and I love them and I want to help you and I'll do this and there's still something in me that wants to pull back from when I should go forward. There's something in me that wants to go, you know, I really would like to just flip on Netflix. I mean, I really would. Just, just to veg. I mean... I mean, I deserve it, don't I? Don't ever go around with an I deserve it attitude. That's not conducive to the kingdom. It's a lie that trips you up, but it sounds really, really good. So what are we going to do tonight? If we are supposed to not be quarreling and not be testing, those are two important parts. And I think for tonight, it's more of the fear and discouragement that that may be fighting some of us in this room. If he's going to go before us and be with us, either his word is true or it is not. If there's no fear in love, his word is either true or it is not. Maybe you should do what we've done in the past with some of the young men. Maybe you should revive some index cards, three by five index cards that just has a scripture on it that says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Lord, I'm afraid, but your word says your love will drive it out. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I need you to do it today. Lord, I'm discouraged. I feel parched. I feel dry. I feel split and cracked and shattered. But I know that John 14, verse 29 says this. I'll just turn there as we're close. John 14, 20. Can't quite read it. Maybe it's 29. I don't know what that says. Verse 25, All this I have spoken with you while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives it. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Some of us have troubled hearts in here. I could talk about shalom, but Pastor Eric did it on Monday night. We're going to fight against the authority that causes chaos, that's attached to chaos. If we are in shalom, you know what happens? We can deal with fear every time. If we are in shalom with God and our homes are in, in order, we can deal with discouragement every time. I'm not saying you won't get disappointed, but you're not going to get discouraged and quit. We need everyone in this body operating properly. It's not the same if you're not doing what God is calling you to do. It's not good enough that most of us do good. We need every one of us. Why? Because God's call on us is too serious. It's too important. I don't mean like others aren't important, but we have something special here. It's replicated around the world in a lot of other places. As we close, we're gonna, I'm going to ask Pastor Matt to come up, worship team. We're just going to open up the altars here. <laughs> we're going to fight a good fight. We're going to contend for the faith. We're going to do this because the Word of God is in us. It will transform us. We can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Maybe we just need to resolve ourselves to get back in the fight. To stay in the fight. It's worth it. It's worth it. If you've been discouraged, if you've been fearful, nothing that I've said tonight has been from an angry heart. It is to say, if you're in fear, how about we replace that with love? If you're in discouragement, how about we let His peace overwhelm us so that we will not be discouraged, we will not be dismayed, we will not be afraid. The call tonight is that the, the altars are going to be open. If you've been, maybe you've been in the fight, but you haven't been fighting the good fight. Maybe you've just decided it's been too hard and it's a whole lot easier just to step back. We serve a good God who cares about you enough to tell you what you need to hear tonight.